from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, as well as on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt, Facebook Live on facebook.com backslash livenowdt, and on youtube.com backslash wakeupcalldt. So plenty of ways to connect with us live, and we appreciate you all doing that, as well as checking out the archives. I am very honored and privileged to have my special guest, my spotlight guest on today's show, Randy Etzel. Uh, Randy was connected to one of my closest, uh, nearest, and, and dearest friends in my life, uh, Rob Drummond, and was integral part of bringing him into Syracuse, and uh, was there with running backs, and, and obviously uh, had a connection to some awesome, awesome Syracuse times. And then moving forward from that, into Yukon uh, and bringing Yukon from FCS to FBS, going off to Maryland and now coming back to Yukon, joining the American Athletic and now being an independent school. So you can imagine we have a lot to discuss and uh, Randy, someone that I, I used to get to talk to on the teleconferences for the American Athletic and now I feel very honored to have some extended time with a guy that I have respected from afar for a while. So with that being said, Randy, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, Randy, and and you know, I mean, this has been a, a very interesting world for you. We were talking about it off the air that you don't make anything easy for yourself. Uh, your decisions of, of where you go and what you do have always been a challenge. Why do you run toward the tornado as opposed to away from it? Well, I just think it's uh, it's just been the way that I was brought up. You know that. Um, you know, nothing was ever easy. You know, you always had to to work for uh, what you what you got, and um, you know, it's just that uh, always. I always love the fact that people tell you you can't do something or you're not going to be successful. You know, at a certain place, and you know, it's just uh, the competitiveness in me that says, you know, I just want to want to prove people wrong, <laughs> and uh, I guess that's something that uh, was always instilled in me in a you know, an early age in terms of, you know, where I grew up at and um, in a real small town. We had one signal light and and uh, just not really known for a lot of different things. And then, you know, it's just kind of been ingrained in me all these years. And it's just something that, uh, you know, you, you, you just like to, like I said, you like to prove people wrong. You like to take on challenges. Yeah, you know, and, and maybe that's why you and I have, you know, found a way to connect with each other throughout history is, I like to be the redheaded stepchild, and you do too. So, what has the challenge of you know these these different things? When you said when people tell you you can't, it makes you want to uh, prove it wrong, and you know you don't mind the fact that there's naysayers and haters out there. A lot of people run away from that. You and I run toward it. What has it taught you in your life? That's you know with these experiences you've had, and really not caring what other people think and wanting the challenge. What has that done to you know? make you the person that you are today how would you kind of describe the adversity you faced and what it's done for you well 
you know, I think that the one thing is, you know, life is all about opportunities, you know, and uh, it's what you make of those opportunities. And 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 I kind of look at it and I understand the, the profession and the business that I'm in. You know, it's all about winning and everything else. But there, there's more to it than just how many wins you have in terms of what I think it terms for you to be successful because of you know you're dealing with young people and you're coaching young people so my whole thing is is this you know going into jobs yeah you know it might not wasn't always perfect going there but then what you were going to do is because you were going to surround yourself with a you know the right staff you were going to go out and recruit the right people is that you could take something and make it better than what it was and i think i think that's the that's the role of anybody that's going in to accept new opportunities. You want to go in and make that situation better than what you inherited. And I think that's just something that I've always, I've always been the underdog, you know, and um, I just kind of like that role, you know, that, um, yeah, it creates a little bit more um, work, maybe a little bit more stress. Um, but like I said, the end result is when you talk about, you know, you bring a young man like Robert Drummond into the program at, at uh, Syracuse and you work with him for, you know, four or five years and you see that growth and that maturation and that development of, of Robert. And to know that you played a, a, a part in that, a small part in that, and then to see them go on and be successful, that's really what it's all about. And that's really what, you know, drives me. So as long as you can go to a place that, you know, that affords you the opportunity to help to make young people better. And if you have the right people, eventually you're going to you're going to be successful and you're going to win. Uh, coming here from Randy Etzel this morning, a UConn football head coach. Uh, Randy, I want to go back. Uh, you have an amazing history uh, in my book and a lot of connections to some really cool places and people. I want to go back to high school for you. Football, basketball, and baseball you played at Susquehannock High School in Glenrock, Pennsylvania. Bring me into playing three different sports and what you took away from being in Glenrock, Pennsylvania and, and how often maybe you try to go back to the, your hometown. Well, I, that's one of the things that I that I really uh, miss nowadays recruiting a three sport athlete because uh, you know I thought that by playing you know football, basketball, and baseball, and then you know I golfed in the summertime as well. But uh, uh, by doing that, I just thought that you didn't you know wear your body out as much for one particular sport. You just you know you gave yourself a chance for more uh, room for development and growth as you moved as you got older and moved forward. Um, but, you know, growing up in the town that I grew up in, um, our high school was really made up of three towns, Glenrock, New Freedom, and Shrewsbury. And, you know, the, the, it was just the work ethic that was instilled by my, my parents, you know, and always making sure you did things the right way. And, uh, you know, if you were going to get something, you had to work for it. You know, you weren't going to be given anything. And, and I just look at, like, you know, I mean, basically everything was revolved around sports. I mean, we were always doing something. We might have been out in the backyard shooting hoops, um, you know, whether it was football practice or baseball and playing summer baseball, high school baseball. We were always doing something. And the, the guys in the community, you know, we had a, a community building in this, and it was a basketball court. And you'd go down and play against older guys, you know, so you learned how to be competitive. You, you know, and there weren't any parents there. There weren't any, it was just pickup games and you, and you played. So 
I was lucky to grow up in a town like that because you ha- to me I think you learn a lot more and um, you know it just it just gave me the drive and the work ethic and you know it gave me the fortitude to say hey everything's not always going to go the right way so if you just stick to it and you keep doing what you're supposed to do things will work out in the long run and you made the decision coming out of high school to go to Syracuse you were there under head coach Frank Maloney and in 1979 the Independence Bowl uh, the team won that you were a quarterback on Syracuse's team why did you choose Syracuse and what was the experience like under Frank Maloney well, really, I had I had two offers coming out of high school. I had uh, Syracuse and I had the University of Delaware. And I had Delaware, you know, early on. And then Syracuse came in. And, um, you know, just, um, you know, the opportunity that presented itself. I can still remember, you know, driving to Syracuse after a high school basketball game on a Friday night. And we got into the... Uh, uh, into town and stayed at the it was a holiday inn at that time the circular one right down there off the right off the 81 and uh uh got in like at three in the morning and um you know went on my visit and they never even showed us the inside of archibald stadium at that time (laughs) but uh (laughs) you know i met i you know it was a great experience for me you know frank maloney to this day i can't thank him enough for what he did for me uh tom coughlin was my position coach but uh the opportunity that they gave me you know being there and then just you know meeting the people that i met there as teammates that i had you know bill hurley art monk joe morris gary anderson you know guys like that that were on our team and then you know frank gave me the opportunity to get in coaching you know um i didn't i I finished up and he asked me to stay on as a graduate assistant and you know I was thinking I'm going to go back to Pennsylvania and coach high school and be a teacher and and all that and I said well I might as well stay and get my master's paid for you know because it'll put more money in my pocket if I go that other route and you know lo and behold one thing led to another after that year then coach McPherson uh, kept me on as a part-time coach and you know I played at Syracuse for four years and then I uh, worked there for 11 in the coaching aspect of it and then I went from there because of my connection at Syracuse to Boston College with Tom Coughlin and went to BC with Tom and then down to Jacksonville with Tom and then because of the connection I worked with George O'Leary I went to Georgia Tech for a year as a, as a defensive coordinator so you know you talk about the, the relationships and the opportunities that I got because of the people that I was surrounded by at Syracuse is what put me in the position to make the have the opportunities I've had in in my coaching career. Speaking here with Randy Etzel on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. Randy, there's really no way around what you just said except for to say these three words with a question mark at the end but also an exclamation point. You're spoiled. Is that, well, is that fair? I was, I, you know, I was around a lot of a lot of good people, you know, and um, I mean, you take a look, you take a look at, uh, you know, Frank Maloney's staff that he had when he was at uh, Syracuse, Tom Coughlin, George O'Leary was on that staff, Jerry Angelo, longtime general manager, um, Dennis Fitzgerald, who ended up coaching in the uh, NFL for many, many years, you know, um, Kenny Baker, who's very successful in real estate down in Florida, um, 
you know, I was fortunate. And, you know, Gary Blackney, who came on Dick McPherson's staff, and then the people that Mac had, you know, a lot of guys went on to be head coaches. And, you know, and the big thing was, I think, because of, you know, my background is, you know, a guy I'm still in touch with today, Jim Rogers, who's very was very successful in business, was coached at Florida and, and a couple other places after he left um, uh, Syracuse. But those guys kind of were my mentors and brought me up you know, through the profession and got me, you know, in position to have the opportunities I had. So, you know, I'm forever grateful. And you know, when people say that, or people don't think that relationships matter, <laughs> you know, relationships are huge in terms of your life, in terms of not only helping you maybe connect to other opportunities, but also to show you and teach you how to do things so you can have those opportunities for yourself yeah you know and and, and it is and you talk about these relationships and and it's incredible the people that you got to be around and you know you, you hear these names i mean i hear these names the tom coughlin's and the george o'leary's and the frank maloney's and coach mack and and all of that and it really does make you stop and you know i mean I, i've seen a lot of these you know I, i've interviewed tom coughlin on my path and george o'leary and to think about the Syracuse staff that was there and getting to you know meet Coach Mack before he passed away, uh, for you, Randy, to to be with Frank Maloney, and for him to give you an opportunity as a player, like you said, you had two offers, Syracuse and Delaware, coming out of high school, for him to give you an opportunity to play, and then right after to say, I'd like to, I'd like you to get into coaching. I mean. That doesn't happen every day that a coach is actually a part of two chapters of your life, giving you an opportunity to play and then giving you an opportunity to coach. What will you always appreciate about Frank Maloney that he affected two different things in your life and he essentially opened the door for you twice in your life? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, and then I was still in touch with Frank up until the time that he passed away. Um, I think the biggest thing was he was he was always upfront and honest, you know, with you. You know, he never he never told you what you wanted to hear. You know, he always told you what you needed to hear. And and I can still remember the time because I, I I was good to leave, I was ready to leave uh, Syracuse and go home. It was in my junior year, and um, I remember calling my dad and telling my dad that you know talking to him, and he said, "Well, if you're going to do that." You know, then you go in and you're going to see Coach Maloney and you're going to go in and talk to him face to face. So I went in and I talked to Coach Maloney and um, told him, I said, Coach, uh, just don't think it's going to work out here. Um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to head home and look to do something else. And he kind of sat back and was kind of taken back. He said, you know, he just says, well, I think that's going to be the wrong decision for you. I don't think that's the right decision. Um he said, you know, and I'm not going to guarantee you you're ever going to play here, but I think if you ever went home, he knew where I came from. And he said, if you ever go home, he said, I don't know if that's going to be, you know, it's going to make you successful. And um, so I left. And then uh, he said, think about it. And, you know, I, next day I went in, I thought about it and everything else. And, you know, I decided to stay. And thank God I did. And, you know, thank God that, because, uh, you know, not only him, but when I left, Coach Lucarelli, who's passed away, our DB coach, I was in the locker room and he came and got me and talked to me. And fortunately, you know, I had people who cared about me and uh, but told me straight up, 
you know, and that, that was the thing that I'll remember about Frank is just giving me those opportunities, always believing in me and always just, you know, telling me what I needed to hear, not what I wanted to hear. And I think that's something that I've carried along with, you know, how I handle my, my own players, you know, over the years as an assistant coach and then as a head coach. And for you, you know, uh, kind of two pieces here. Because Syracuse talks so much about Ben Schwartzwalder and and Coach Mack, and there isn't, you know, and Paul Pascaloni, but there's not always a lot of chatter about Frank Maloney. What should Syracuse fans know about Coach Maloney, number one? And number two, what did it mean to you that when it went from Maloney to Coach Mack, that Coach Mack kept you on the staff and wanted you to be there, which prolonged your time at Syracuse and obviously helped you out with being a running backs coach, a tight ends coach, and then switching to the defensive side. So what should fans know about Coach Maloney? And secondly, what did it mean to you that Coach Mack saw something in you to keep you on the staff when there was obviously a changing of the guard at that point? Well, first of all, I don't think Coach Maloney ever got the respect that he should have gotten at Syracuse. You know, he had to come in and replace uh, Coach Schwartzwater. Um, the program was really down. The facilities were really bad. Um, you know, he had to do some of the things that, uh, and maybe said some things that people didn't like, but the program wasn't in real good shape. But if you take a look, you know, if you take a look at the people that came through the Frank Maloney area, some of the best players in the history of Syracuse football you know art monk joe morris you know different guys gary anderson you know all these guys if you take a look bill hurley i mean uh there were quite a few guys he did a really good job of developing players and and getting guys um you know to come to a place that didn't even have you know anywhere close to the same facilities of the people that we were competing against you know in the east and um so that's the thing. The other thing that, you know, that, and, and this was a thing, and Frank was a extreme and probably one of the most intelligent coaches that I've been around. One of the things that when I remember when he told me that I was going to be GA and that you only had one GA at the time. And he told me, he says, Randy, he said, you know, Hey, you know, offense and you understand that, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to put you over on defense as a GA. So you can learn that side of the ball. So here's a guy, you know, who's, looking after me to help me because I knew, you know, I was pretty smart, you know, in terms of understanding what we were doing offensively and everything else. I just wasn't as good athletically as to, to get on the field as those other guys. But uh, but to do that, to put me over there, I mean, there's a, you know, was a tremendous asset to me because now I learned both sides of the ball. I played offense, but now I was going over on defense and learning that. So, and then when Mac came in, you know, it was fortunate to be able to stay on because, you know, I knew a lot of the guys in terms of, you know, making that transition and being helpful. And he bumped me up to a part-time coach. And some of that was, I think, uh, helped with George. O'Leary helped with that because George got kept on as well. Uh, probably put a good word in for me. And um, But then just working my way up. Again, you, all you're doing is you're just proving yourself. And, uh, you know, going from, you know, running back from tight ends to running backs and then, when Gary Blackney, uh, you know, I learned under Gary Blackney uh, there, you know, and who was a really good, um, you know, defensive back coach, and then had the opportunity because I still remember, 
Frank Maloney always tell me, he said, if you, if, you're, if you coach the offensive line and you coach the defensive backs and you do a good job, you're always going to have a job because those are probably the two hardest positions that are in football that you have to coach. And back then, nobody broke the secondary up. You were coaching all four or you were coaching five. It was a nickel. You know, they didn't break it up, safeties and corners back then. You were doing that whole thing. So, um, and then just, you know, getting the facilities that we got and, um, you know, that was something that, uh, you know, I was appreciative of Mac keeping me on and then giving me opportunities to go from, you know, tight ends to running backs and over to defense and uh, as recruiting coordinator. And, you know, we recruited some pretty good players in that time. And we also, you know, won quite a few games. Randy, you were a part of Archibald Stadium and, and, and the evolution of going from Archibald into the Dome. So many things that happened in Syracuse, you were a, a physical part of. Like, we look at history, you lived it. What was it like playing at Archibald Stadium and then transitioning over and being a part of the Syracuse group that got to officially open the Dome? I mean, you got to close a monumental place in Archibald and you got to open a monumental place in the Dome, which so few people can say they were a part of one, let alone both. Yeah, well, Archibald Stadium, <laughs> I can still remember being in there in a pregame my freshman year. And, uh, you know, it wasn't a very good home locker room. But uh, above it, there was like an animal laboratory, I believe, up there. They had animals. And, you know, so Frank's giving his pregame speech, and he's up on a bleacher and, you know, you know the rah-rah. And, and, you know, Frank, Frank was a great motivator. I mean, he could – he could get you going and he's in the middle of his speech and all of a sudden you hear these dogs start barking <laughs> you know <laughs> everything so you have that but then you know you said like the last game in Archibald I threw a pick right before half you know and um, then at the end of that game I can still remember I can still remember the uh the fans and the and the Syracuse police they were on uh, horses <clears throat> and they had that uh, cinder track around it and it was all concrete uh, stands and everything else and um, you know people started coming on the field like the, the police were down at one end and they'd take the horses up by the other end and they were down there and I mean lo and behold you couldn't do it and I used to remember a few of us Bruce Babcock and maybe a couple other guys after the game we just kind of locked our arms together and had our helmets strapped on and we just kind of ran and you know through a bunch of people, knocked people down just to get to the locker room. But, uh, you know, in its day, I'm sure it was a, it was a great venue, but it kind of outgrew its time. But then to go to knock um, Archibald down in my senior year, you know, we played every game on the road that year, which was an experience in itself. You know, we played two games in uh, the Meadowlands, two games in Rich Stadium in Buffalo, and then we played one game at uh, Shokoff Field um, at the end of the year. So we had to play every game on the road while the Dome was being built. And then to go into the Dome, I mean, you know, at that time, I mean, that was as good a place as it was in the country uh, to play. And, um, you know, knowing that it was in the same spot as Archibald, um, you know, and giving you that home field advantage because it was loud in there. And, you know, back then they didn't have air conditioning either. And so on a hot day, you could really wear teams out. It was different from a breathing standpoint. So it was a tremendous home field advantage, uh, the dome, and it sat right on campus, which made it nice for the students. And, 
you know, just those experiences of playing in Archibald and then coaching, coaching in the Dome, uh, just something that I'll, you know, I'll always remember and cherish. Bill Hurley, Joe Morris, Art Monk, Gary Anderson, you named off your teammates. They all played in the NFL. Uh, tremendous, tremendous players. Uh, what can you say about what they taught you, and do you try to keep uh, you know some relationships still going today? Yeah, I you know probably in touch with Bill the most, Hurley. Um, but you know they were all competitors, all good guys. You know Art was quiet. You know he didn't say a whole lot. Um, you know then you know Gary Anderson. I actually hosted him on his visit, and. Um, you know, I mean, there is one of the best kickers of all time uh, in the NFL. Um, and Joe, you know, Joe was just a competitor. You know, I mean, that's the one thing. Guys that just wanted to compete. Guys that played with chips on their shoulders and guys that, um, you know, really just, uh, you know, we, we enjoyed each other. We had a good time and, you know, we, um, we liked each other's company. We saw that uh, Joe Morris finally got his jersey retired. Are you surprised it took that long? Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, he was, I still, you know, remember when he ran into the, the side of the wall in the Miami of Ohio game and in the first game in the Carrier Dome when they didn't have padding on the concrete walls, you know. But, I mean, I don't know if there was a more competitive guy than Joe, you know, and uh bow-legged and but strong and could really run um you know yeah i i would i would have thought that his jersey would have gotten retired a lot uh sooner than that you know speaking here with randy etzel on wake of call with dan tortora inside of the cafe kubal studios when you were on the staff and you're recruiting you brought up rob drummond give me some of the names that you helped as recruiting coordinator as running backs coach as different things you got to do at syracuse just some of the people that you got to work with bringing in a uh, rob included and i mean you had a backfield that had some pretty incredible talent you know you had your michael owens and your rob drummonds and so on and so forth so uh, bring us back a little bit nostalgia and what it was like for you to recruit because back then syracuse was recruiting the best of the best whether it was in the backyard or a little bit farther away and you know you again you know i say spoiled as, as a joke but in all honesty a very blessed to have you know the people that came into syracuse but at the same time credit to you for having the uh, wherewithal to know where the talent was and to go out and get it as well well you know um i i was fortunate because i had you know i was a recruiting coordinator but i also had two pretty fertile areas to recruit from in eastern pa um uh, and then down in florida and um and, you know back then i mean it, it, it's recruiting is a relationship game and um you know, I was a lot younger than I am now, and you know, and and it was easy to relate to to those to those guys and and get in with them, and and uh, I knew what they were going through, and it's kind of like my son here now at UConn doing the same thing. But um, you know, I mean, and I and it and it's just saddens me, but you know, I was at Marcus Paul's funeral uh, just not too long ago. Uh, but I recruited Marcus, you know, and there was a guy nobody recruited out of high school. Um, you know, it was us in uh, southwest Louisiana uh, for him and uh, wanted an opportunity at quarterback. And we told him he'd have an opportunity. But, uh, um, you know, but, uh, you know, once he got on campus and Donnie McPherson was there, he saw that I better go to defense. But, 
you know, Dwayne Joseph, you know, was another guy uh, who ended up playing in the pros for a number of years. John Flannery from Pottsville, who was a really good player. Um, Cadre Ismail, you know, so uh, as you said, Mike Wellens, uh, there's a lot of them. There's too many that I can't remember, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, EJ Dowdell, um, you know, from right there in, in Nottingham and a bunch of, bunch of guys. But, uh, you know, and that, that's the thing that's neat because you still stay in touch with those guys and, um, you know, you, you, you don't, you don't, see him as much but rob drummond i mean just to be able to bring guys in and see the success they had you know it was obviously we made the right decision not only from a from a talent standpoint but also from a character standpoint and then you know terry richardson michael owens um you know those guys so um you know it's it's neat to see and now to see those guys. I saw David Holmes at the funeral. Um, you know, the one year I coached Chris Ingram, God rest his soul, um, as well. But you know, had the opportunity to coach you know those guys, uh, Jeff Mangrum and David Holmes and Marcus. Um, you know, and Chris. They that was as good a defensive backfield I think. You know. Um, Syracuse is ever one of the best ones they've ever had. So, um, you know, those were the good things that you, and you remember those times and it was just a bunch of fun. You talk about those relationships, Randy, and, and the ones that you create. When you were there playing, uh, having Tom Coughlin and George O'Leary on the staff, and then you got to go work with Tom at BC and then with the Jacksonville Jaguars and got to work with George O'Leary at Georgia Tech. What did those moments mean to you, and what was it like to work for Tom Coughlin collegiately and in the NFL, and and then to work with George O'Leary, uh, two guys that that I greatly, greatly respect that uh, came from Syracuse, you know, and on that staff, and obviously built some awesome uh, coaching trees as well and success for themselves. What was it like to work for Tom Coughlin, and and then to work for George O'Leary? Well, you know, people people would always say, God, Tom's got to be the you know the toughest guy to work for you know and um because when you you played for him he was very you know it was attention to detail you know i mean as a quarterback you know everything was done your footwork was done on a clock and you know you were supposed to open at four o'clock and he said no you opened at four thirty. i mean <laughs> he was very meticulous and and um but you know as a working for him as a coach he was the easiest guy i've ever worked for in my life because he always spelled out everything that um he wanted and as long as you did the stuff you were supposed to do you did your job you never had to worry about anything you know and he was always a guy that told you said hey when your work gets done go walk out the front door don't be walking out the back door so i always thought he was easy to work for because you knew what the expectations were you knew what he was looking for and he wasn't a guy that was wishy-washy uh didn't spend a whole lot of time and didn't waste time in meetings and things along those lines um you know so that's the stuff and and very smart and then you know the experience that he had being uh when he left and went to bc and then went to the pros and then became the head coach at bc so again guys like that the same thing with george you know you you try to sit there and listen to what they're saying 
not how there's like George. You had to listen to George in terms of what he was saying, not how he was saying it. Because if you listen to how he said it, you know, and if you weren't the the right type of person, it could affect you, <laughs> you know. But yeah. <laughs> but but George now, you know, the other thing with George is when assistants just watching him recruit and how he. Uh, you know, he could, you know, go into the homes and uh, with the parents because, you know, he recruited Tim Green and coached him in high school. But uh, but just to see how he handled himself and then just, you know, the way he coached, you know, because we've, you know, the four-wheel drive we had there at uh, uh, at Syracuse with those guys and Blaze Winter and Tim and Jamie Kimmel, you know, George coached those guys. So you could learn a lot from him. Then you go and work for him. You knew how he was. So it was probably easier for me working for George and maybe somebody that, you know, hadn't worked for him because, you know, you know how he's going to, you know, handle certain things. But the same thing is, as long as you communicate with people, you never usually have any issues. But those two guys uh, were very helpful and very uh, accommodating to help me, you know, get what I wanted to or help me get to where I wanted to get to because I was with, you know, I was with Tom at the Jaguars and left to go to Georgia Tech with George because I wanted to be a head coach and I interviewed for a job when I was at Jacksonville uh, college job and they said well you've never been a coordinator before so I had to make the decision to and I made the decision George had an opening called me and he called me before and I told him I you know now I can't go and he said well this will be the last time I ever call you for a job so after having that experience I said you've never been a coordinator I said well I'm going to go get qualified on paper you know, so uh, so nobody can say, well, you've never been a coordinator. So that's when I went up to Georgia Tech in 1998 and um, uh, was a coordinator there with him for that year. And we tied for the ACC championship and beat Notre Dame in the bowl game. And uh, then the next year, then I got the uh, job here at UConn. So, you know, those are the connections that uh, that really help you. And again, as, as long as you sit there and you listen, you know, you take things in, those guys like that are only going to make you better. Coming here from Randy Etzel. Randy, before I let you go, uh, UConn not once but twice. We've talked about it a little bit before, but we can expand on it now. You made the decision to go to UConn. You helped to lead them from a Division I AA FCS program into the FBS uh, Division A. Bring me into that process, which you know, few coaches in the world have to really go through. So bring me into that process of bringing them from FCS to FBS. And then secondly... Why did you come back? Um, well, coming here, you know, uh, Lou Perkins was the athletic director at that time. And, you know, he had a vision for, you know, what they were going to do. And, and knowing that you were going to be FCS and then you were going into back then what the Big East would be known as as a Power Five conference, you were going to be going into the to the Big East um, you know, you gave it gave you the tools that you needed, and they were going to build a brand new stadium, uh, East Hartford, Rentsher Field, and then uh, we ended up building a football building here on campus, which is as good as any facility in the country, bar none. Um, but knowing that you had that support, and it wasn't one of those things where, you know, Lou understood that it wasn't going to happen overnight; that you had to build the program. Um, and seeing that they did have success here in uh, basketball, uh, you felt that, you know, you were coming to where 
you know, I felt that Lou knew what he knew what it took to be successful, and he was going to give you the resources to be successful. And that's all you want as a coach is as long as people give you those resources. And, you know, it took us, you know, like four years to get to where we really needed to get to. And then we started doing the things that we needed to do and then um, ended up going to the Fiesta Bowl uh, there in 2000, the 2010 season in 2011 there, January 1st. And then um, coming back, um, you know, I saw, you know, kind of what was taking place with the program and uh, knowing in terms of what we built here before and to see where it was at. You say, okay, you know, let me see if we can go get this done again. But, you know, coming back, it was you weren't in the Big East. Now you were in the American conference and uh and i think we're well on the way to going to where we need to go i mean you just can't to me you just can't take a program and turn it overnight you know it it, to me it takes time where you gotta bring in the right people because this is a program where you know we're gonna go out and develop kids you know you gotta find kids that have the ability have the work ethic and you're gonna develop them and you know that's a two to four year process at least to get those type of kids to do that and then to be able to be competitive and win with the schedule that you're going to be playing um so that's kind of what we've been focusing on was player development and getting kids because again now all of a sudden you don't have the big east uh uh, cachet that you can throw out there and then leaving the american and going independent you know it's um you know, we're going to play more power five schools. So that, that is helpful, but it's just that process that you're going through. But as we go into uh, 2021, I feel like this will be our best team. And by not playing last year has really helped the kids that we have on our team get a lot bigger and stronger because most of them didn't redshirt because they've had to play because they were the best guys we had. But now having them have that year where they've been able to lift and get bigger and stronger and we've been able to do more from a football standpoint from a you know scheme and mental standpoint you know i think we're going to be well positioned here in 21 to to have a good year um and it's just something now you have to go and continue to build on you know the uh fact that you're going to be playing four to five power five schools um you know, each and every year, and then you're going to play Army and some of the other schools here locally, uh, and and just you know find those kids that dare to be different. That's basically what it comes down to. Who wants that challenge? And that's what it is. It's a challenge, and find those kids that want that type of challenge that want to do something that maybe people don't think they can do. Why? Maryland in the middle of all that when they were a part of the ACC why did you want to kind of challenge yourself and go that route before you came back to UConn well I was always a uh, Maryland fan growing up because I grew up right basically on the Pennsylvania Maryland border so growing up I was always a I wasn't a Penn State fan I wasn't a Phillies fan I wasn't anything of a Pennsylvania fan I was a, a Baltimore fan I was a uh, Orioles fan I was a Colts fan um, I was a Maryland fan um and that was something that um you know was always intriguing to me and uh and then plus at that point in time my i'd lost my dad and so my mom was down in that area and uh uh 
you know, it was something where I could get back closer to home and be around her a little bit more, you know, by being there. But it was just one of those things where, you know, I was a, I was a Maryland fan growing up. And then, you know, we went through the same thing there. We were in the ACC, and then all of a sudden we go to the Big Ten. <laughs> made that jump. So, so, you know, it's uh, – I've had I've had a I've had a lot of interesting things during my career, but nothing that uh, nothing that I would ever change. Yeah, I mean, Randy, you went like you said, you went Maryland from the ACC to the Big Ten move. You did the move with uh, UConn from the FCS to the FBS. You did move with UConn from the Big East to we don't know to the American now to the Independent. Do you feel like everywhere you go, you there's some type of ripple effect that God puts in the water? I mean, are you afraid to go anywhere else at this point, thinking that you know maybe they won't even jump conference; they'll go play in another country at this point because you've seen so many different things happen? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I think you know, I think that's what makes life interesting, you know, and that's why you always just you know you try not to uh, assume anything; you just take it one day at a time. And you know what? There's a, there's people that have things a lot worse than what I do. You know, in terms of doing all those different things that you just talked about. So to me, it's just one of those things where you just, um, you know, each day you get up and you attack each day, knowing that you just give every your best ability, give a hundred percent to what you're going to try to do that day to make the situation that you're in better. And at the end of the day, you go to bed, you put your head on the pillow, and you know you wake up and you do the same thing the next day and that's kind of what's you know driven me and and gotten me to where i'm at and when when the time comes where i feel like hey you know i've 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 given it all i have and you know i'm gonna go down to my house in florida and relax and play golf and travel and enjoy enjoy uh you know that part of the the next chapter you know so like i said it you know life life's going to throw you a bunch of different curveballs and you know how you react to them is going to determine you know the, the success that you have or the happiness you have with what you do and um you know i've been very fortunate because this is my 41st year of coaching and you know the one thing that i'll never that i'll always appreciate and is those relationships and going into people's homes just like frank maloney did to me come into my home and gave me an opportunity yeah. and then see what that's done. And to be able to do that as a coach and um, as a mentor and a parent away from home, to do that for, for other young men, that's, that's why I do what I do, you know. And, um, you know, and just seeing those young men, because I've had kids come in here and say they want to transfer, and I tell them my story. I said, I, can, I know what you're dealing with. But let me just lay it out to you this way. And some some listen and some decide they think it's better to move on. And then you just wish them well and support them and, and you do that. But uh, I've been blessed. You know, I've been blessed with um, the people I've been around, the, the places that I've been. And uh, to be able to work with all the great coaches that I've worked with and with all the outstanding young men that I've been able to work with. Um, so I've got no complaints. And Randy, when you were with UConn, it was it was the Big East. Then the Big East dissolved and became the American Athletic. The only thing left of the Big East was UConn, which really was a true member. And then there was Cincinnati and South Florida, which never really felt like it was the Big East. And then, you know, we see the American. What was it like for you to coach in the American? I know, obviously, record-wise, it wasn't ideal for UConn, but 
when you came back to UConn, what can you say about your time in the American Athletic? And did you agree or disagree with the school's decision to join the Big East, which obviously made you independent because the American was not going to keep UConn on as a football-only school? So what was it like for you to coach in the American? And then, you know, the decision, how much did you have say in it? Did you agree with it? And what do you think about the fact that when UConn said we're, we're going back to the Big East, that meant that there was no more football for UConn in the Big East Conference? Um, well, <clears throat> you know, I, first of all, I think the American Football Conference is a is a really good conference. I mean, I think they play <clears throat> they play really good football, and there's um, really good coaches and there's good players uh, in the American. Um, and again, when you take a look at it, you know, you had uh, you had basically. Tucson uh, and Temple, and um, you know Cincinnati in this area, and then everybody else was, you know, west or south, or you know, wasn't uh, really any natural rivalries there, you know, for you. And um, and then Navy came along as a football only member, but um, you know, and then the the move to the to the Big East. I mean, that's that's one thing that was more of a uh, that was a university decision that uh that they made and you know a football coach isn't going to be consulted on that because again the success and the and the history and tradition that they've had here in um men's and women's basketball you know is really second to none and and i don't think the, the american is not nearly as strong of a conference in basketball um you know as uh the big east is and then also when you do take a look at the economics of it all you know with all your other uh you know your olympic sports uh and the travel that they would have um you know you can understand clearly you know why the university made the decision that they made and what they tried what they wanted to do to see if we could stay in uh, the American as a uh, football only that didn't work out. So the next best option to be able to play the at the level that the university wanted to play at, they felt by going is the independent route. And you know the independent route it does uh, present its challenges just like anything else. But what you do is you you look to embrace those challenges, and then what you do is you find a way to put yourself in the best possible position so that your players can achieve success, you know, on the field, um, you know, being an independent. Do you, did you agree with it? I mean, do you, are you okay with this move? Because it creates, I mean, obviously, you know, you can, as an independent I school. Best, I think it was the best option based on what they were, what they felt was the best decision for the um, entire um athletic department and then also from the from an economical standpoint as well how did you how did you leave i mean mike oresco of the american the commissioner and you know everybody at the american did you feel like you you left there you know with positive terms did you feel that you know there's a bond that you created there or, or relationships you created there that can last forever and how did how did you personally kind of go away from that well, I didn't. I didn't have any issue with uh, with anybody at the American. You know, that wasn't something that. Uh, you know, um, you know. It just. I think what. What. You know. Again, when it gets down to it, and this is what happens. UConn made a business decision, and the American made a business decision. You know, so. You know, that happens in everyday life, and um, you know, you, you, 
eventually what you, you know sometimes people might think it's selfish but it's not you always have to do what you think is best for your situation and we at UConn did what we felt was the best in our situation and the American felt what they did was best in their situation you know we felt it was best for us to leave to go there and we wanted to have the opportunity to stay there as a uh, football only but the American felt that that wasn't the best opportunity so you know they made their decision so you know you don't begrudge anybody with decisions they make because people are making decisions which what they think is best for for them to achieve the goals that they want to achieve so you know i'm too old and been around this game too long to to get frustrated or to get upset with certain things and um you know again because ultimately my job is is to get my team the best that i can and put us in the best possible position to win when we go out and play on saturdays we have liberty notre dame byu new mexico state army uh, UMass, you know, these these schools that are independent, there's not a ton of them, but now UConn's a part of it. This is a new challenge for you in your 41st year. Do you think that UConn football can make a name for itself as an independent school? Well, that's something that we'll, we'll, we'll see. You know, I think we can. Um, you know, the one thing is we've, we've had a uh, – we've had – we really haven't had an opportunity uh, a problem haven't had a problem really scheduling teams i mean we've got syracuse on the schedule we got bc on the schedule uh, we have some of those teams that uh uh that we've played before on the schedule you know we're going to get pit on the schedule uh so teams that we've played previously here in this region that were part of the big east um you know, we're, we're able to schedule. And then, you know, like I said, we've, we've got Army, which is a, a, a trip that's close to here, UMass, which is close. So from the standpoint of there, you know, we have, I don't think we'll have any problems filling our schedules out. <laughs> you know, and, and, and before I let you go, Randy, quickly here, you know, you've been in the Northeast the majority of your coaching career with BC and Maryland and UConn and Syracuse. And to have... You know these connections that you've had and you've built over time and putting the schedule together like you said getting pit on the schedule bc syracuse uh, how important is it for you to keep that northeast feel and and do you still feel that northeast football is relevant i know uh, it meant a lot to coach pascaloni i know it meant a lot to coach mac and you know you talk about frank maloney and, and whatnot and doug marone really preached about it when he was at syracuse do you feel that Northeast football is still strong and has a place? And, you know, do you want to keep that as a, as a main point of your schedule? Maybe find a Penn State in there and, and try to play these these Northeast teams for UConn and, and have these rivalries or create, you know, potential opportunities with teams that are only a few hours away? No, I don't think I don't I don't think Northeast. And when I say this, I'm, I I don't think Northeast football is as relevant as it used to be. And the reason being is when the Big East decided to um, uh, dissolve, and um, you know, and and teams left, you know, after it wasn't playing football anymore. Uh, I think that was kind of you know the the you had teams going to the ACC, then you had teams going to the Big Ten. Uh, it's different because everybody's in different conferences and you don't have that same uh, same every weekend rivalries going on uh, you know with those things and you know the thing that's disappointing to me and this goes back to the you know the days of the, the Big East and you know and again 
it's decisions that people made. But I think if people made different decisions and look back on it, you know, you could have had one of the best conferences in the country if you would have made it an all-sports conference when Miami was involved and everything else. Um, you know, you could have had a pretty darn good conference that, you know, controlled, you know, would have been better than the ACC, in my opinion. You know, but, um, you know, the powers to be didn't want that to happen or, you know, and they could have had um, – Penn State come in and let them come in from the get-go, um, everything else. But, you know, there were decisions made, and it was more basketball-driven at that time. And now what's happened is football is the big revenue producer. And um, so that's where – that, to me, is where the downfall was. So you move forward here. UConn decided not to play. A lot of teams uh, decided initially not to, and then they did. Uh, ultimately, hindsight 2020 of the year 2020, uh, what does it benefit UConn to have not played this past season and going into being an independent after having a break between the American and the jump to independent? What does that do positively for you? And then uh, a question back to uh, your roots and, and your connection here. How important is it for you to recruit Central and Upstate New York? Continue to do that. Um. Well, we're gonna, always going to recruit New York because, again, it's really a bordering state. And, and uh, I have Frank Joffrey on my staff, who's a Syracuse grad, and he's from up there in the, the uh, Rome area and uh, Rome Utica area. So, you know, we're going to recruit that. And uh, because I do think you can find players that uh, can come down, and we got a we got a really good running back, Nate Carter, out of uh, Rochester. wasn't heavily recruited, but I think he's going to be pretty good. Uh, here with us came in last year would have been a true freshman this year but the decision for us not to play was one based on our situation I mean when we got back here uh, for the summer and just I started to see what was going on with the uh, with COVID and the pandemic and then what uh, you know our state was doing and the restrictions and and uh, everything else I mean I just didn't see a way and then when it went to a conference-only schedule, for the most part, with all the conferences, uh, to try to put a schedule together. We could have put a schedule together, but with all the other things in terms of the, the regulations that we had here and what you saw going on, and, you know, knowing that, um, you know, like we couldn't even use our locker room to shower in and how are you going to play the games and, you know, after the games and all that, it was just a situation that you looked at it and you said, hey, you know, why Why are you going to have this mental strain on these kids, you know, all season long? I mean, that's not really a healthy situation. So just felt it was better for us to say, okay, hey, we're not going to play. We're going to take the time to get bigger and stronger, use that time in the weight room. We still got like 25, 26 practices in that we were able to get in. And, um, you know, so I think we got better because – you know, our kids that didn't have the opportunity to redshirt, basically we redshirted the program for a year, which was which is what we needed. You know, that was good for our program. You know, every program might not have been in that situation, but for us, that was something that was uh, beneficial for us, and I think it's going to pay dividends as we continue to move forward. Last note here with Randy Etzel, and I obviously you spend extended time with me, so I owe you a beer when I see you, but I got to ask you here quick, uh, two final notes here. Your family, uh, your wife Eileen, your daughter Alexi, and, and son Corey. Just what you can say to your family uh, being with you through all this. I know Corey's on the staff with you. And then secondly, uh, why is UConn, what sells UConn? So what can you say about the family? 
And then, you know, as you step forward with UConn in 2021, what's the selling point for UConn? Why should student athletes come there? Well, first of all, if you if you're if you don't have a family that uh, I'm I'm lucky because you know my wife was a former athlete, she understands it, um, so she's been supportive for all these years. And then, you know my my daughter went here to UConn when I was coaching here. My son went to Maryland when I was coaching there, uh, and my daughter works for the Chick Fil A Bowl down in Atlanta, so she's involved in football. And Corey's here, so you know you have a family that understands it, that gets it, um, that. You know, there's things that if I do regret anything, if I didn't get to spend as much time with my kids when they were growing up, you know, uh, and going to some of their games and doing those sort of things that my father and mother did, you know, by coming to all my games. And, you know, it's great now that I have this time with, with Corey and, you know, he's here and, and, um, he was at Maryland as a student and a student assistant while I was there. So, again, you had that time, but you did miss some of those other times. And then I just think that uh, UConn, you know, moving forward, why it's such an attractive place is that you got a place that, first and foremost, you're going to get an outstanding degree, you know, because I don't care what anybody says. You know, the one thing that these young men need when they go to school is to get the degree because for some of them, football is only going to be four years, some five, some maybe, you know, if they might have a uh, a cup of soup you know, in the NFL, you know, and uh, not many guys play more than two, two to three years on the average, but, um, but you're going to get an outstanding degree and then you're going to, you're going to come to a place that, you know, is going to allow you to develop into what you want to be as a, as a, as a student, as an athlete and as a person, and you're going to play a tremendous schedule. And, you know, back in 2012, we had the, uh, uh, first most people in the country uh yukon grads playing in the nfl so you're going to get developed here you know that's one thing you're going to get developed if you want to if you want an opportunity to try to get to the next level you know you're going to get developed you're going to be in the best facilities in the country and you're going to have people who really care about you you're going to have coaches that are going to shoot you straight they're not going to tell you what you want to hear they're going to tell you what you need to hear and uh you know you're going to play a challenging schedule so if you want to if you want to have a chance to you know show somebody that uh uh play with the chip on your shoulder and 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 show them that uh you can take on other people that and beat them that people don't think you can then you know it's a great spot for you and come in on wake up call with dan satora inside of the cafe kubal studios with randy etzel randy again i appreciate so much you taking this time i've waited a long time to uh, have an opportunity to really have a uh, full sit down with you and i know you're busy i know you got a lot going on but i'd love to keep this door uh, always open and have you back on the show as we talk about things we opened a lot of doorways on the show today where i feel like i could have stopped and gone to anything and kind of elaborated more because your 41 years have been so incredible so i want to say thank you i appreciate it i'd love to have you back and uh, as I walked up to you at your last American Athletic event, uh, when we had the kickoff weekend, and or had that event for a couple of days in Rhode Island, when I walked up and, and shook your hand, I, I very much uh, respect you, have from afar, and and uh, I can't thank you enough. So just know that I'm in your corner. I'm hoping the best for you, and I look forward to having you back on the show. And I definitely am very honored and thankful to God that I get to sit here today and finally get to uh, spotlight you the way that I wanted to.
Well, I appreciate it, and uh, I enjoyed it, and yeah, we covered a lot. But I'll come back. I'll, I'll come back on it sometime. But then, we, then what we got to do though is we got to add like Robert Drummond, Michael Owen, some of those guys, you know, and make it a little bit more fun, you know. Yeah. Not that this was fun, but at least we'll be laughing. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely get them on. And you know, and I talked to Terry Richardson and David Walker. I said if that Syracuse job ever became available, and they both said they'd get after it. And and I got I got to say I know I know you're at UConn, Randy, but. If Syracuse was ever on the horizon down the road, would you be fighting Terry and David for the job? No, no. <laughs> I can tell you that, no. All right, fair enough. Well, then I guess it's up to those two guys to duke it out and find out who's the head coach and who's the coordinator. But, yeah, I would love to uh, have you back. And thank you for recruiting one of my closest friends, Rob Drummond. Uh, you saw something in him, and he's one of the most amazing people I've ever met. So, from uh, I know – go ahead. He wasn't, heavily, he wasn't heavily recruited, but I'll tell you what, man. That guy played hard. You know, he played hard. He gave it everything he had. I love the guy. So, And he said to always give him a call because he knows a lot of the kids here in the area. He said, Randy ever calls me, I'm going to send him in the right direction. So, All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Randy. Take care, and I'll talk All to right. you soon. Appreciate it.